1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. But today, pretty much we're sticking to breastfeeding because, lucky me, I have a wonderful guest with me who you might recognize from a previous show that we did together in late 2017, and her name is Amy Wright Glenn. Amy, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Marie. Glad to be back with
3: you.
1: Amy is a really interesting woman, and last time when we talked, we got after sort of chatting after the show, and I said to her, oh, wow, we got this other whole topic that we could have tackled, and so, in fact, we are. We're tackling this topic on uh, breastfeeding as related to having an unsupportive spouse, unsupportive partner. And Amy has written on this. I know that she's interacted with many women who have been in this situation. And uh, so I really felt that this was important. And for those of you who might not be familiar with this situation, let me just tell you that sometimes it's really, really obvious that the woman's partner is not supportive and other times you're kind of thinking maybe he's not supportive. Sometimes he's very verbal. Sometimes he's not very verbal, and I always kind of find myself in that pickle of not really knowing what to say, how much to say. I'd like to believe that maybe I get it right, but Amy is really, really good at interacting with families who have these sorts of issues. Uh, Amy, I kind of want to start with, first of all, What drew you to this topic in the first place? I know you've written some articles about it, uh, but talk to us about really what got you into this.
2: Well, thanks for asking, Marie, and thank you for tackling a topic that a lot of people struggle with privately. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. very useful experience. And I write for Philly Voice, which is an online news source, and I write articles about parenting, mindfulness, birth, and death. And part of the parenting umbrella, of course, includes early childhood experiences and birth and early parenting will often include breastfeeding. And there are many, many responses to the articles I've written about mothers who experience a sudden shift in tone from their partner, whether they're male or female, or an overt, hey, this has to end, kind of um, declaration from their partner I just decided I'm going to do what I do best which is research and think through this outside of my own scope for a minute and I found I was hardly alone like there have been right. many people who right. experienced this type of opposition and have had a lot of internal struggle because of it and even my sister who gave me permission to share her story um, stopped breastfeeding her oldest daughter because of such pressure from her former husband and really regretted it like, really regretted it. and And so that that was the inspiration for me, Marie, to bring this topic that is often so private. and yes. you would expect you see couples interacting at the park and new parents, and they're so happy and and maybe the baby's one or two, or maybe it's a toddler nursing three or four. And one may not suspect that behind closed doors, when the child is asleep or when the child's out of earshot, hopefully, this is a tension between the couple, and it's a very private and painful tension, and I decided, let's lift it into public consciousness, and I received so many emails from, I bet. from people saying, thank you for bringing this up, and and, and even talking to partners who felt unsupported, well, what exactly is going on? Why is there such resistance? What's you know, What's that about?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because um, there's relatively little formal research on this. I found some articles. I read them prior to coming on the show. Uh, and some of them I really kind of resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I'm not surprised. And others seemed like it was sort of surprising. Uh, it, it occurs to me, Amy, that... It, And I don't know if I got this from you or the literature out of my own head or where, but it seems like there's sort of that decision-making phase where spouses or partners may or may not be supportive. And then there's that initial and early phase, and then finally there is the haven't you weaned him yet phase. Uh, and I apologize if I'm taking that from you or somebody else without a footnote. But anyway, talk to us a little bit about that decision-making phase because I was surprised that in the formal literature, uh, some men just really felt like they were left out of the decision-making phase, that they didn't have any input. Others said they were feeling like they'd had input, but it was really her decision, her body, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then they had some misconceptions. But anyway, what do you think, really? You, I'm sure you've talked with many women about this. What happens in that decision-making phase from your perspective?
2: That's a good question. And I think we need to, I need to phrase this as decision-making phases. Because breastfeeding okay. yep. Yep. You know, yep. and, and people start off, like I did, saying, okay, six months or a year. I'll do this till, you know, a year and a half. Or if they read the World Health Organization um, guidelines like, you know, two year minimum or and then as long as mother child. Um, so we, desires. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't say mother child father, right? It's mother. Child, <laughs> right, mother, right, right, right. It's true. And so this is the philosophical struggle. And many friends I know, including myself start off thinking, okay, I'll hit a milestone. I'll get there. Yeah. And then yeah. find, wow, this is much more enjoyable wonderful interesting than I thought it might be and and that's not a drudgery and you know some women do feel like they want to wean because they are not um want enjoying or wanting that breastfeeding relationship to continue I was on the other side like oh you know this is awesome I'm really excited I can offer such healthy good nutrition to my son and comfort to my son and and you know I didn't know how long it would go and then I just decided let's just see Let's just see what happens. Let's see how long. And that can be very off-putting for people who are already ambivalent. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, a year, here. Right. And, and then a two. And then wait a minute, three, four? You know, are you freaking nuts? Like, how far? <laughs> and I think that that's where the tension increases as the child ages. That's number one. So this yeah. decision-making phases, you know, there'll be support initially on, you know, early on. And then, okay, you've done this and let's go. And I also think there's a subconscious or, un, you know, a semi-conscious experience on the part of both parties about their weaning experience if they were breastfed. So, you know, if you come to at this with a partner who's breastfed till he was four or five or she was four or five, there, there's a possibility like, oh, I get that. That was me. You know, I, I understand why that happened. But if you come at it like someone who was weaned real early or there was a kind of a sense that this was wrong in the family. You don't go past an age. They may bring their baggage from their own childhood in, and that can be what drives this decision-making phasing shift. You know, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of women I've talked to who stay around at the age of two. There's this heightened pressure from not only partner, but maybe their family, their mother. Oh, absolutely. Like yep. When are you going to stop? But if we look physiologically or biologically, or what is the norm in human society to... Is pretty young you know in terms of what what could be in terms of breastfeeding so I just want to say I'm so glad you're tackling this and I, uh, I don't know if many I think many couples would benefit from sitting down before even pregnancy and saying well let's talk about all these things like circumcision like how long would we breastfeed what about co-sleeping how will you feel about this or this and, and just get a sense like well what's going on and then of course things can shift as the experience touches the heart and body, because the philosophical difference is to what extent does a partner have a say in the physiological bond between the mother and child with breastfeeding? Is it a three-part, or, you know, is it a partnership decision? Like, how long will we breastfeed this child? Or is it the mother-child's dyad that says, you know, if we're comfortable and we're breastfeeding and all is well, back off.
1: Do you think that back off uh, conversation needs to happen ahead of the actual birth?
2: I don't know. I mean, every couple <laughs> of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a relationship therapist, but I do think having the conversation about what would it feel like to say, you know, I, I know this this is such a good question. So, Marie, there's a Facebook page called Evolutionary Parenting. Oh, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And you may get her on the show, too. <laughs> yeah. Tracy? Yeah. Tracy's amazing. So I have 150,000 or so um, followers, and Tracy and I are the co-admins for that. She founded it. Her work is Evolutionary Parenting. I'm grateful she brought me on board. But when I post the articles I wrote for Philly Voice, which draw upon the stories that women shared, right, they're not my story, but they're stories that were inspired because I was hitting resistance, and I wanted to research. And then people wrote me. And then I'm like, huh, let me get permission to share some of these stories, like my sister. Mm-hmm. I I loved posting those pieces because even now if I post one tonight for instance there'll be 30 comments 50 comments so many strong feelings and a lot of them are mom saying back off like this isn't no. your body, back off and then there are a few the minority that says you know I value my partner's um, point, point of view you know I would wean early if it really offended him but not that's the minority view and the majority view is, at least on that page which tends to be kind of um, Back to the earth. Know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> yeah. Educated in the sense of like studying evolutionary parenting skill practices that make sense for the brain. They're like, you know, this is good for the baby. So, so it's interesting to read people's points of view, and it is a philosophically charged conflict.
1: What really concerns me is that uh, although I asked you on the show you are not the first woman that I've ever heard of in this situation where the the basic theme is the mother wants to breastfeed and the father doesn't want her to breastfeed. So that's like, yes, no. Or the mother has begun breastfeeding and there's sort of that early stage where, yeah, you know, this might not be so bad. And then the longer that it goes on, as you just said, then that's where those phases of decision-making come in. And I am aware that Uh, of women who have literally had a divorce over this because their their spouse could not get his head around the idea that she's still breastfeeding that baby. And it's so hard for me to understand if it's all going well, you know, why is that so bad? And I suspect that neither you nor I have the, the answer to that. But truth is that it really, really rocks everybody's world because of course nobody wants to go to divorce so anyway look at uh everybody don't go away i'm marie biancuto and i am here today with amy wright glenn we will be right back after this short break
4: Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff?
5: Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby friendly requirements, or perhaps you need just a few sessions.
4: Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours.
5: You know, Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process.
4: Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24 7 so staff can study at at their own pace.
5: You can use the course for all of your staff, or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished.
4: Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish.
5: Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course.
4: Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works.
5: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship and anxiety expert, Sandra Reish.
6: Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com
3: to see if you can be Marie's
6: next guest.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie kuto I'm with Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Amy Wright-Glenn. I would like to remind each of you that if you haven't visited my new website, you should. It's mariebiancuso.com. Wow, how was that for clever? Never would have expected it, but yeah, there it is. M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com, Uh There's plenty of information and cool stuff there for you, so don't miss it. So, Amy, before the break, we were talking about that disconnect, if you will, between the mother and the father. And also, I brought up the fact that I've known, and I guess you have known these women who have had a divorce as a, uh, I shouldn't say as a result. I suspect there were other problems in the beginning. But this created such a rift that, in fact, people finally said, probably this is the last straw or some such thing. So how... You know as as people like you and me looking on the from the outside in, how can we develop some sort of empathy or understanding for uh, exploring this either with our own partners or helping other people to explore that with their partners? How can we sort of get in the right headset for that?
2: That's a great question, and I think a big piece will be to remember that we wear lens, lenses that help us see the world, but these lenses are formed by our culture, right? Oh, and they can feel very real. So I can, I can be wearing lenses and saying, wow, the, green, the grass is so green, but I take off my glasses and, yeah, it's green, but it's not as green. You know, like our right. cultural perceptions shift and change the way we perceive reality. There's no way to take them off completely, but I think we can get peeks sometimes of how we're shift our, our views can shift because of cultural conditioning. So what helps me develop empathy for male or female partners of breastfeeding individuals who are struggling with opposition is to remember that in our culture in general, men often feel they have access to women's bodies. Absolutely. They have an access that, that that's my wife or my partner and I'm first priority there. Like those are not my breasts, but I have first access. And, and that, that sexual draw to the female form that says, mine, you know, I get a say in what happens to your body. And then you add to that the pornographic lens of the female form and what breasts and the vulva and the vagina and the anus all mean in pornography. And so much of the narrative in pornography is access that comes from domination. Like mm, I have mm. access to I have access to you that I could even force my will in you, right? And that's a lot of theme of pornography. So what I think is interesting is how the disconnect exists within the mindset of the partner often when they see the breast being used in a non-sexual way, and pleasure is being experienced, but it's not sexual pleasure. It's intimate. It's sensual. It's nourishing. It doesn't fit within the norm of what the human form, the female form, is supposed to fit right? The right, are right. supposed to be used for sex. And if suddenly I don't have access to them in the way I had before, then something's in the way and it's the baby or it's the two-year-old or it's the four-year-old and get that child off your breasts. Those are like, I want access again. And I, can Oh see. yeah.
1: I've you know, heard I'm, that. Those are mine.
2: Well, yeah. Well, I think it, yeah. that's, unco- and it, someone may not be so crass or crude, but you know, <laughs> I've had women have threatening things said, like what, what if I forced you to stop or, uh-huh. You know, things, you know, I've had women write me about, you know, men yelling at them, you know, yelling you must stop. And just the, that type of attitude is so misogynist or sexist, but the man might not see himself that way at all. It's a cultural conditioning that comes from um, hours of looking at pornography, hours of, ex- of having that subcon- subconscious conditioning that I have access to these breasts and something's in the way and it, what the person who's in the way is doing something to them that, is weird to me because that's not what I do to them right like this is like suddenly part of the body it's very utilitarian it's it's like working breath <laughs> their breasts yes, yes. smell different they taste different there's milk in them like how am I supposed to suck on these breasts I get milk in my mouth like it's all it can be very confusing and it can trigger a lot of frustration so there's sexual frustration there's a frustration that the partner may not be is interested in sex and having her breast be touched sexually if she's being touched a lot by a toddler or, you know, a nurse, if she's especially tandem nursing, her breasts are being touched all day. So does she want to go lay in bed and have her partner, you know, touch her breast too? You know, maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe she's like, you know, I'm kind of touched out.
1: I, that's the word I've heard. Exactly. I was just going to say that. I've heard the touched out. I just feel touched out. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. So I and What helps me have empathy is to re- imagine what it would be like to be raised with those glasses. What would it feel like to, like, have my partner, a part of his body that gives me pleasure that I've had access to for many years, just me, and then suddenly – and I, like, have this cultural conditioning and have spent a lot of time masturbating to images of that body part, and then suddenly have another person who, you know, is a part of my family but not me – for years having direct access that has impeded my access. I think the frustration is real and it can be really hard and it's hard to talk about. And I think having empathy for what that might be like and then the lack of control like wait a minute I don't have a say like, that's my child. I don't want my child breastfeeding until four. What would people say? People might think he's weird or she's weird or oh, yes. what their family think. Like, what if my friends at work found out that my wife was still breastfeeding my four-and-a-half-year-old? I mean, the jokes in the locker room. Like, I think there's so much fear of judgment that couldn't exist that mm, it can almost, mm-hmm. like, stop because I don't want cultural shaming to come to our family, right? So those yes. are some of the things that help me have compassion because those are very real feelings and on the other side, the the mother who may be saying, you know, I don't care, let him wean, self-wean at five, let him self-wean at three, whatever happens, I'm open to this journey. She's the one who has to lay her head on the pillow at night and, and believe she's living true to her own heart, right? And that mothering heart is very wise and the child may actually benefit from breastfeeding in ways that are beyond nourishment in those. Oh, uh,
1: absolutely. Oh, so, Absolutely.
2: That brain of the child and the mother are in sync in a way that is physiologically very deep, you know, and, and it's a different type of neural circuitry than an intimate lover connection, which is also very deep. There are different of course. psychological like responses in the body. They don't cancel each other out, but they can feel threatening. So the mom has to be true to herself. And, you know, if divorce comes, like you said, there are other issues. This becomes the symbol of the disconnect. It's like. The symbol mm-hmm. of the standoff. But let's bring to my sister's story. I mean, she, her marriage ended in divorce regardless. And would it have ended earlier? I don't know. But she regrets. And you only get that breastfeeding journey once. You don't uh, really yes. do it again. So, you know, there there may be people who don't regret who say, well, I gave into the pressure. I don't regret. I'm glad I stopped. But she's like, you know, I really think it was too early for my daughter. She was 17 months or 18 months or I, I can't remember the age and she would have kept going, it would have benefited her. And I stopped because of pressure from my husband. And for me, that's sad. It's like, you know, go to counseling, figure it out, put this on the table, have honest hard talks about this and figure it out and then challenge our culture, challenge that pornographic view of the woman's breast, challenge the sh- cultural shaming around breastfeeding. Like That's the work. You know, yeah, Amy, actually, you've
1: mentioned cultural probably upwards of 25 times here. Uh, my question <laughs> is, well, really, you know, I was just thinking, boy, she says that a lot. My, the question that sort of percolated to the top of my brain is, do you think this is an American thing? I realize you're not an anthropologist, but but do you think this is some American thing? And maybe in other countries, this is, we, we're in 65 countries now, uh, this show, so... Uh, what do you have you heard this elsewhere maybe? How's that?
2: Well, there is the book Breastfeeding Older Children that mm-hmm. is an anthropological survey of women who breastfeed over the age of three. And there is a chapter in that book about resistance or struggles with partners. It's a smaller chapter. And those women come from Australia, New Zealand, US, Canada, UK, but those are still, you know, English speaking primarily Western countries. I don't know, does this apply to India? Does this pressure exist in Aboriginal Australia, does it exist in Peru? You know, this, that question is beyond me. I don't know. I don't know.
1: It yeah, would be a, yeah I
2: don't either. Study.
1: Well, you know, it's just kind of interesting because in preparation for the show, I looked up the divorce rate for couples in the first year after the baby was born and I will admit that was a couple of days ago, and I don't remember what it was, but it was significantly higher than I would have anticipated. And, of course, there's no data on whether that happens more for a breastfeeding mother than for a formula-feeding mother. You know, that's just totally, there's no way to measure that. But anyway, um, I ran by my own husband, and I said to him, do you think that it's harder if the baby is breastfeeding because maybe the mother is more tired or maybe... Uh, you know, there's less access to the mother's breasts or maybe, 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 maybe. And he just kind of shrugged it off and he said, well, I think that you could say the reverse, which is if the baby has to get up at night to be formula fed, then it's usually the father who is doing that. And by the way, the father is putting out more money or the couple in general is putting out more money to buy the formula and that causes tension and so forth and so on. And I thought he was pretty insightful in saying No matter how you feed your baby, you have all of these other factors. And so it's really not just about the feeding. And I think you, Amy, just really put your finger on that a minute ago. It's what we're seeing in this disconnect is probably more about the disconnect itself rather than the method of feeding. And that somehow that might have. Uh, bubbled to the top, uh, no matter what. So wow, that's uh, it's just really, really uh, sad to know that we're in this situation. But yeah, we are certainly. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Marie Biancuto I'm here today with Amy Wright Glenn. Don't go away. We will uh, be coming back after this short break. <music>
4: Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff?
5: Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements, or perhaps you need just a few sessions.
4: Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours.
5: You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process.
4: Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24 7, so staff can study at their own pace.
5: You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished.
4: Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish.
5: Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course.
4: Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works.
5: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount relationship issues anxious parenting challenges no more learn how to live your best life tune into straight talk with top psychotherapist relationship and anxiety expert sandra Reish. in this program you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions whether it's relationships Was your
6: breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. My guest today is Amy Wright Glenn, and we're talking about uh, partner unsupport, if you will, for breastfeeding. So, Amy, we've talked a lot about this lack of support. And one of the things that I think we've talked about a little bit, but I want to explore a little bit more. I suspect that you and I and everybody else would agree that the negativity does increase as the nursing child ages. I know even within my own family, that has been the case. But the question is, why do you think that happens? And how can we how can we have a better conversation about that? How can we all have a better conversation about it, whether we are the mother, the father, the professional, whatever?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, NPR had a recent piece, perhaps a year ago, called What's Right with Breastfeeding a Six-Year-Old. It was a fascinating reflection on NPR. And, and, and in the piece, that a variety of anthropologists were interviewed and nutritionists. And, and what was interesting for me was The variety of weaning ages across culture and across time and and I I think what could be helpful for people to understand is that this is a fluid journey and there are children who self-wean earlier than others and that if the mother and child are in harmony and it's not causing stress and there's positive energy between the two that that's to be protected that's being protected and even as the child ages even if the little one is running around in three or four talking I think what happens is the brain starts thinking breastfeeding is for babies right for little ones who can't roll over or for little ones who don't crawl or little ones who don't walk little ones who have to have milk because they don't have teeth yet and then once the teeth come and the words come and the movement comes and the self um powered you know mobility comes it's like okay now you're older so you eat this food You don't need your mom's body anymore. And then you have, as I mentioned before, the power of our culture and not to be underestimated. I may have said the word a lot, and I think it it can't be said enough that we are culturally conditioned to see women's bodies in a certain way and men's bodies in a certain way. And that deeply impacts how couples wrestle with this. And this type of pain is one that a lot of people feel in private moments. They may not even talk to some of their closest friends about it. And on both sides, like the shame, the fear what does this mean? And then the disconnect, but also the pressure, what should I stop? My son wouldn't want to, my daughter wouldn't want to. Do I do it just to please this person? Yeah, you know, there you go. Not even home, like leaves to go to work and comes home, you know, all day long. Do I just stop this connection that soothes my child, soothes my own body, provides nourishment, provides connection, helps the brain develop because this person doesn't want it, but that they're not even there. Yeah. yeah. You know, that. Was that like a weird power thing going on? Like who gets to say what happens to my breasts or your breasts or someone's breasts? So I think what we can do as people who like I'm a birth doula and I work with couples is to talk pretty openly about this, to share links to the show and to really speak with partners and their pregnant spouses or you know, wives or girlfriends um, to really speak with them with honesty and compassion and say, you know, these are hard issues and they may come up for you and you're not alone and people work through them and who doesn't the World Health Organization doesn't say for as long as the mother father and child continue so you know the father isn't listed there and while the father may want to be like this is really a physiological relationship biologically it involves two or if there's twins three but not the father biologically so while the input can be intense there's not a biological base for it to exist it could be socially existing, it can be culturally existing, religiously whatnot, but it's not biologically sound, I think. So to be able to bring in compassion for the different cultural nuances, but really, let's say, look, look at what's in the best interest of your child. That, like, what's in the best interest? So what we can do is provide information, like that NPR article, you know, quote from different scholars who've studied this. Why is it helpful for some children to breastfeed till they're four or five? Not every child chooses to. And not every mother chooses to allow it. But if those who do, are they doing something harmful? Is, and I think because we have this undercurrent of like um, child pornography in our world, oh, uh-huh. because we have the experience of child sexual abuse that is um, pretty high in terms of rates, that it can be really uncomfortable for some to see an older child nursing on a mother. It's like, wow, is, are you damaging that child somehow? Will this child turn into, if it's a girl, I've had people say to moms, will she become a lesbian? You know, like the sense that like, you're sexualizing the interaction. Because yes. it's hard not to when the child's five, unable to talk, right? Um, it's not seen as tender or maternal. It's like starting to become sexual because of the gaze of our culture and because of the wounds of our culture.
1: I think, Amy, there's another thing that occurs to me as I hear you talking, and that is all of the stuff that we hear in a day about breastfeeding versus formula feeding, there's always a big emphasis on the the food, the food, the food, the nutrition, the nutrition, the nutrition. And I'd be the first to say that breastfeeding absolutely is food and it absolutely is nutrition. There's no doubt about that. However... As you and I know, breastfeeding is about a lot more than nutrition, about a lot more than food. So even if the baby can eat table food, you can't just necessarily assume that he is ready or willing or able to just give up the nursing because it's not just food, although it is food. And there's another thing that always kind of bothers me, and that is we would never expect kids to all have other developmental milestones or reach other developmental milestones at the same time. You know, some kids start teething as early as three months old, which, by the way, as an aside, would that be, oh, well, so therefore you should wean the baby because he's already got teeth? Well, well no, but other kids get teeth more like five or six months old. Some kids walk at eight months. Some kids don't walk for a year. And in some countries, kids don't walk until well after the year. And so I guess what I'm saying is that we we seem to understand that children can have different reactions, different abilities to do these other developmental things and we think that's okay and we say oh you know he's just a late walker or a early talker or whatever he is and that's okay but if he's a late wiener somehow that's just well you know we just can't have that because he doesn't need that anymore and you know that just strikes me as so really really strange does that strike you strange of course of course
2: and when you mentioned that breastfeeding is nutrition and food but it's also other things that's true even for infants absolutely it's not food, it's not food from the beginning alone at all and the other things it, it is besides food matter they matter a lot and they're intimate but not intimate in a sexual way they're intimate in a deep nourishing maternal relationship, relationship way and that, yeah. can tr- that can be itself a trigger because if the relationship between the parent the parents um, is lacking that type of emotional intimacy That itself can be a source of jealousy.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Amy, what stance would you suggest a breastfeeding mother take when she faces this negative pressure to wean? Before she's ready. Before she's ready.
2: The first thing I would, the best advice I would give right away is break the silence. Ah. Talk to friends. Talk to friends. Talk to, to, go to La Leche League. Do your research. um, Empower yourself to know the facts and then talk to people about it and I think people will find I mean I think women will find they're not alone but I also think that the personal inventory of the relationship will come to the table too it's like they're connected to put the breastfeeding tension on the table will entail all the other ways that couple deals with tension now, is verbal abuse an issue? Is there a lot of yelling in the couple couple mm-hmm. Is there threatening energies in the relationship, or is there a lot of intimacy and closeness? And this can be worked out in a way that says, you know, I understand we differ, but this really ultimately is your body, and and your child, and our child's not getting harmed. Our child won't be hypersexual to women's breasts. This child is not going to have some kind of funky thing going on because he or she nursed till three or four or whatever. I think if the, if that can be laid to rest, then the partner might be able to say, you know, we, dis- we disagree, but I'm going to focus my energies elsewhere. And let's focus on building where we're in common. Because a lot of relationship experts will say you need at least, you know, five or ten positive interactions for every one negative. So
1: oh, yes, yes. that
2: negative might center around breastfeeding and it may never be fully laid to rest. But if you have... Because you can just make peace like, okay, we disagree, but let's put our energies, if we plan to stay together and be a healthy family, can we not then say, okay, we disagree, let's put our energies to nourish these five things we love about each other, that we adore about each other, that we are head over heels, having fun with each other, dancing, golfing, you know, whatever, you know, just making sure that there's a positive flow. So if a breastfeeding mother is getting pressure, and that pressure represents a negative pressure overall. Then I think there's a real. I mean, first, like you said, some people that's a turning point and to say, you know, okay, I'm not going to. This becomes then this the symbol of the disconnect, and it may even be on the partner side to be like, I'm done, you know, right, the person, right. It's like I'm done. But but regardless, I I really feel like institutions like the Gottman Institute, which mm. research based, um, scientifically like sound entities that study intimate relationships are so helpful here because they look at the, what what John and Julie Gottman call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like what are the four qualities that will almost always determine divorce? Like they can interview a couple arguing whether it's about breastfeeding or what. And, and uh, they can, these two individuals and their cohorts can predict with 95% accuracy who will divorce within five years by the way their face expressions Their facial expressions um, demonstrate four qualities. And so they're contempt, withdrawal, um, let's see if I remember all of them right now. I was going to want to see. Do you remember? Contempt, withdrawal. uh, Stonewalling, contempt, withdrawal, and criticism. And the worst of them is contempt, which is that almost like, I can't stand you. You disgust me. Like, you embarrass me. Like, that kind of look, like if I'm speaking to my partner about breastfeeding and my face is like, you're gross, that kind of energy, that is what will make divorce happen, not the breastfeeding, it's the right. four horsemen of the apocalypse, and that can be about anything, it could be about who who decides what kind of car you're gonna buy, that's the energies that, those are the energies that destroy couples' marriages, and maybe for a good reason, don't stay with someone who looks at you like that. But, sure, sure. but I think those, that's the work, and so I would say what a breastfeeding advocate can do is say, look, have you heard of the Gottman Institute? Why don't you research some of their work on relationship and, what, and, and the energies that will erode the goodwill between the two of you? Because it takes goodwill to talk oh, about it. And it's hard for men to say, you know, I've been culturally conditioned this way. And it's hard. Uh, to, you know, it's hard. So. We, we've got about
1: 30 seconds before we go to break. You said contempt, withdrawal, stonewalling. And what was the other one? Criticism. Criticism. Excellent. All righty. That was really interesting. Hey, everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff?
3: Maybe
5: you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements, or perhaps you need just a few sessions.
4: Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours.
5: You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process.
4: Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24 7, so staff can study at their own pace.
5: You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished.
4: Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish.
5: Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course.
4: Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works.
5: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship and anxiety expert, Sandra Reish. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships,
6: Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest.
0: listening to born to be breastfed to reach marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program please call 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to radio at born to be now back to the show
1: hi everybody welcome back uh I'm a real believer that the more that we get messages early in life, the more that they take root in us, whatever those messages might be. So I guess my question might be uh, when we are raising young children, young girls, young boys, uh, what do we need to do to help them to not grow up, to be negative about breastfeeding?
2: Such a good question, Marie. I'm so glad you asked that. And I'll share a story that was shared with me from one of the, the, um, the many of the stories that I read via email and and people confided in. there was one mom whose partner started putting a lot of pressure to, to wean when their child was nine months. Okay. And when this mother did some conversation, you know you know like she was so so sad, just crying, crying crying like what? this baby's nine months old. Uh, she talked to her partner's mother and it just was very interesting what she shared. She said that the mother of her partner said, you know, I weaned him at nine months, but it was, but it was, it wasn't the way I wanted. My husband was pressuring me and we decided to go overseas for two weeks. And so I dropped the baby off at my mother's and I left. And that's how that child was weaned. Just like, just disconnected. And She's she said, yeah. but when I came home, I could tell that the baby was mad. And and so who knows if the baby was actually mad? But certainly that would have been a shock to a nine-month-old mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Suddenly a mom gone, first of all, and then be weaned in such a way. And I wonder if, like you said, those early ideas, even pre-verbal, those experiences. You know, it's interesting. Maybe it was a coincidence, but maybe not that that. That father was putting pressure at the same month where he had that early trauma of attachment. So I think the best thing we can do for our children, I would say, is to make sure those attachment bonds are strengthened with compassion and honest conversation and love and connection. Because attachment bonds will form the strength of their independence and free thinking later. They won't have these kind of traumatic triggers that are un, like, strange because they're hopefully their emotional um, wiring is healthy, so I will often tell you know my son or when we hang out with friends and a lot of my friends I should say did did wean on de- wean on demand like they breastfed until the child was ready and when my son did wean we had a a party for him and we had you know maybe fifteen or so people there and a lot of like a kind of a weaning party a lot of our um, friends came who had also breastfed their children into their toddler years or early childhood years. And and having those conversations with those kids, like, hey, when you grow up and if you choose to be parents and if you're if you're partner's breastfeed, this is really special. And you remember how special it was for you. And you could have a party like this when that child's ready. And you give that child the freedom to to, like, stop when they're ready. I think kind of teaching those early like planting those seeds. Yes. Is, yes. How to really say, look, you know, this is a precious thing that you've experienced and protect it.
1: Yeah, because honestly, it just seems to me that when we start trying to put ideas into people's heads when they're 20-something years old, it's we've really lost that teachable moment maybe not completely okay but I think it's a lot more difficult for them to really internalize that and I'm sure that you and I could talk ages and ages about Eric Erickson and trust versus mistrust and all that kind of thing because I think that figures in as well but Amy uh, to wind up the show today I just want to recap for listeners you gave several resources as you were talking along because I know that mothers will want to maybe read your column in the Philly voice uh, maybe maybe go to Tracy's website, which is Evolutionary Parenting. You also mentioned the book, Breastfeeding Older Children, and that there was a chapter related to this uh, lack of support. You mentioned the NPR uh, show and the Gutman Institute. Do you have any other resources that you'd suggest that parents check out? And I know I'm asking you this kind of uh, on the spur of the moment, but anything jump to your mind? Well, Catherine Dwet.
2: Dwe- Dwe- oh, yeah, Kathy Detweiler yep. Her work no. in Texas is really interesting. She's done a lot of studies on um, weaning and the brain development and uh, nursing relationships. Uh, I think that's fascinating work. Agreed. I think I wrote an article about breastfeeding memories because a lot of the concern that I hear um, partners who have resistance um, voice is like, I don't want my child to remember this. Somehow it's like it's it's sweet when it's little bit. If, if what happens if my four-year-old or three-year-old remembers breastfeeding, like remembers sucking on my wife's breasts? Like, what will that do? So I did a whole piece on this for Philly Boys and did a lot of research on how childhood memories are formed and interviewed people who did have memories of breastfeeding. And they may only have one. They may have breastfed until they were five, but have one specific one that lingered because most of those early memories are implicit, not explicit. So I would just, you know, finding articles. Well, first of all, if, if I'm a mother who is breastfeeding and hitting resistance. And not everyone who breastfeeds identifies as a mother, too. Like, it may be a trans man who's breastfeeding and hitting resistance from his partner. Whoever is hitting resistance needs to figure out, ideally, what's the root energy underneath it. Is it fear? Is it shame? Is it anger? Is it lack of connection? You know, what's going on subterranean? There's all the words above. but what's And then to say, I'm not responsible for someone else's emotional health, but I can honestly say... I care about you, I love you, we're in this together, and I feel these energies in you, and what can and I have my energies i I may have my fear that you're going to try to pressure or fear that I have to wean early, or fear what that would mean for our this sweet relationship, so let's put this on the table, you know, and so then I would say counseling, you know, like a real yeah. good expert who who understands the dynamic of breastfeeding and understands the dynamic in a couple and 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 I mean that's. I think helpful and to find someone who's friendly with the Lecce League philosophy, you know, cause there's probably counselors who could be, well, that's uh, obvious you should stop, you know, because of our culture again. Um, yeah. And so- I'd be
1: quick to say that I have met a lot of what I call closet nursers. They oh, yeah. don't,
2: okay. I, I, oh, I mean,
1: yes. I, I think it's so odd because I'm in this business and they don't want me to know that they're still breastfeeding. And it's like, wow, if they think I'm not going to be supportive, right. uh, that's right. pretty scary as to what they think about the general populace. Amy, we've got uh, just a few seconds. Can you quick, quick, tell us what is your website, please?
2: Um, Birth, and com is my website. And I've written two books you can find on Amazon. If you go to Philly Voice and put my name in Amy Wright Glenn, there's lots of articles about mothering and parenting and breastfeeding and birth and death so and always i'm open to receive emails so feel free to email me through my website you can go to the contact tab and marie i just want to thank you first of all you're such a pioneer you're doing such good work in this world and to tackle this topic which so many have cried in private about and don't even know who to turn to
1: Yes, agreed so much. I'm just so glad that we could do this show together, Amy, and I really couldn't think of anybody any better to address this. It seems to me as if, uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, For those of you who are interested, I will be featuring Amy's books on my website as well. Uh, So you can get them from her website, my website, Amazon.com, whatever. But I want you to know that that's out there. And holy mackerel, here the time goes. And I got a quick, quick say, hey, everybody, I'm so glad that you're listening because you know that without you, I wouldn't actually have a show at all. I wouldn't have you. I wouldn't have the radio show. I wouldn't have Amy. Uh, I would probably barely have myself because I would feel like I left a part of myself behind. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. And most of all, thank you to Amy right Glenn today thank you Marie and just remember I'll be back next week next Monday and in the meanwhile remember with support or without support your baby was born to be breastfed have a great week thank you for tuning
0: in this week to Born to be Breastfed please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific time 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.